Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 and 10, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 29 through 31, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verse 14 through 20, and Psalm 62, verse 6 through 14. May I speak with fear, trembling, truth, grace, and love. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It seems that we have now turned a corner in the Gospel of Mark. The preparation of the ministry of Jesus is now over. Such had begun with John the Baptist baptizing and preaching of repentance and everyone coming out to him. Jesus too had been baptized and filled with God's spirit and sent into the wilderness to set up the cosmic battle with Satan and the forces of evil that is present throughout the gospel. Now John the Baptist, the one who had been preparing the way for Christ, has his ministry brought to a close with his arrest. Now it is Jesus' turn to begin his ministry. Jesus comes to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near to repent and believe in the good news. The time is now. Our ship has come in, says Jesus. There is no time to waste. The world is ready for God to rule again. Let us change our lives and believe in the promises of God. The Gospel of Mark does not elaborate on the specifics of the good news, but I believe that he reminds us of what God has intended and is always moving to do in our lives. The good news of God reminds us that our lives are rooted in the life of God. The good news tells us what God is like and lives in the the lives that God dreams for us. The good news offers light and hope despite difficulties surrounding our lives and the evils that may come our way. And the good news tells us that God is always in our midst and always goes with us and before us and that God never leaves us. The good news encourages us to align ourselves and our lives with the purposes of God and a world that, and with lives that embody light, justice, peace, wholeness, joy, and love for everyone. But the good news tells us that we are not meant to live in a world as it is, full of war and conflict, rich, poor, poverty-stricken, haves and have-nots, hatred, division, selfishness, greed, fear, and darkness. The good news tells us that you and me and everyone matter to God. That despite the efforts of the forces of evil and death to break us away from God and each other, that the God who made us, the God who heals us, the one who helps us and forgives us has come among us to reclaim us, to be God's very own once and for all. What good news this is, 
that we are not lost to sin or to death or to the mess of this world. We belong to and are claimed by God and God's wonderful and life-giving purposes. Following the announcement of good news is the command to repent and believe. That is, the good news of God means nothing to us if we do not change our lives and lean into our faith in the good news. Instead, it calls on us to change our lives to reflect the belief that God, our God, is a God of abundance and not one of scarcity. It means that we are to live and believe and that God has enough of everything for all of us. The zero-sum game need not apply in our dealings with one another. I don't have to believe that if you win, that I lose, that if you've gained, I've lost. That the thriving of one group does not mean that the other must meet its demise. It means that we can all share in God's abundance. It means that the forces that, of evil that tell us otherwise are wrong. It means that we don't place stumbling blocks in front of others so that we can get ahead. And it means that with God's help, we can lift and hold each other with love, unselfishness, grace, compassion, and with friendships and interactions that heal and foster wholeness. It means that we can always extend our arms and hearts with radical hospitality and welcome. The life of deep faith is the one that Jesus invites us all to live in, in a hostile world that tells us that there are not enough resources. There is not enough happiness. There is not enough peace, not enough joy, not enough security, or not enough comfort for all of us to share and take part in. Jesus invites us to believe and trust and God and God's love, to not only turn away from our sinful ways, but to fashion every aspect of our lives to reflect our trust in God and God's love for us and for others. Then Jesus simply invites us to follow me. Our scripture even guides us and provides insights into Jesus' simple directive our scripture tells us that Jesus calls the most ordinary people to follow him. That means you and me and any and everyone have received this invitation, are invited to take part in this incredible life-changing and life-saving work of discipleship. Scripture tells us that our response to this invitation should be immediate. We should immediately drop our nets and leave our nets behind and follow Jesus. And as funny as it sounds, it would have been impossible for Simon, Andrew, James, and John to physically hold on to their nets and follow Jesus. Instead, they simply let go. They let go of the things that gave them meaning and belonging, security, prosperity, and attachment to the world, and opened themselves to something bigger and greater and true. They relinquished things that weren't not that were not necessarily evil or sinful, yet the disciples needed to let them go to accommodate the changes in their lives to become something different. 
That something different changed everything. They dropped everything to follow this stranger on a journey of uncertainty and blind faith. Jesus' disciples, both men and women, had no idea of the journey ahead, but somehow something within them told them that Jesus, that God had beautiful plans for the world that would be accomplished with them. Well, how are we different from Jesus' first disciples? Well, we have a significant advantage. We know what was accomplished through God's salvific work through Jesus Christ. We know the end of the story. We know that like Jesus' disciples, we have been drawn into God's plan of reconciliation and restoration of creation. And we know that dropping our nets and following Jesus can be nothing but life-giving to us and to others. And we know that despite the uncertain nature of following Jesus, we can trust in God's love and protection that, and promise that sin and death do not have the last say. We also know that like Jesus' disciples, that God in Christ shows and will show up at the most unexpected moments in our lives. The only question is, is how will we respond to those gift-filled moments? Will we continue to grasp tightly onto human sources of security, human-defined identities, human-celebrated values and principles? Will we continue to remain closed to the possibility of living under the true reign of God, and instead in a world that perpetuates inequity, greed, hate, and death? in a world where we are all imprisoned by injustice, war, violence, fear, power, oppression, policing, and control. It would be a lie to say that discipleship has no cost. There's a long, long list of people who would suggest otherwise, including the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, whose birthday we celebrated this week and along with other martyrs and saints of the Christian faith, including their original disciples. However, when we look beyond those costs, we can see what the disciples saw. The casting out of demons, the cleansing of lepers, healing of diseases, the strengthening of communities, flourishing of lives, the defeat of sin and death, the bursting through of God's kingdom and life everlasting. So, let us be led on a journey of uncertainty and blind faith. And let us not be held back by anything that prevent us from serving Christ and all we do. And let us do so immediately because there is so little time to waste. And let the church say, amen.